standing in front of these people while the singing is happening. I highly recommend it. Um, please join with me in our responsive call to worship that you will find in your bulletins. Welcome to this season of light, life, and love. If there is dark darkness in us, let us leave it behind. For the season of light is upon us. I am the light of the world, said our Lord. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let us arise and shine, for our light has come. Let us celebrate this season of hope, peace, love, and joy as we worship together. Please join with me in prayer. Dear God, be with us now on this Sunday when we celebrate love, your love for us in the gift of Jesus, your love for us in grace, your gift for us in forgiveness. Be with us now as we join together to worship you, to sing, pray, listen, and act on your messages that come to each of us in dreams, in epiphanies, and in that still small voice that calls to us into the service of others. God of hope, you brought love into this world, so help us to be the love that changes this world. You brought peace into this world, so help us to be the peace that this world so desperately needs. And God of hope, you brought joy into this world, so help us to be the joy that shines from the manger for all to see. All this we pray, in the name of the newborn Christ child, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Settle into this Sunday, I invite you to take this time to take out your friendship registers on the outside and insides of the pews. If you're new with us and visiting, welcome. You can drop us a line, send us a note so that we can contact you and give us and give a, a welcome. And now we'll just go into some of the announcements that we have for this very exciting Christmas season. First, fellowship hour will be in the courtyard immediately following worship. There will be hot cocoa, cider, chestnuts roasting on a not open fire, um, and old-fashioned donuts. So we look forward to seeing you there for some time for fellowship. 
Um, and then also, church school will be happening for children. There will also be pageant rehearsal because next Sunday is our pageant and our children have been preparing for it for a very long time. We're all very excited. I can't wait to see you there. And for participants, please note that there will be a dress rehearsal next Saturday, December 17th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's when you get your costumes, so you definitely want to be there. Sec um, and then there are poinsettias and Christmas decorations are still able to be purchased. They're $15. You can talk to the church office and Pam if you want to do that. Also, in Fellowship um, Hall, there is our giving tree. There are only online sign up, or there are no more online signups anymore. I'm pretty sure most of the tags are taken. You can go and check. And if you received an email this morning that said the event is canceled, please disregard that and please still bring your gift if you signed up online or in person to the church office by next December 18th at 10 a.m. Those gifts will go to spread holiday cheer for our mission agency's Siri, the Connecticut Institute for Refugees and Immigrants, and Emerge, a women's shelter for those who are survivors of domestic violence and their children on the following uh, Monday. So please bring in your gifts. Then we have our very exciting women's Christmas tea this Thursday at 11.30 a.m. in the church library. If you have not attended women's group before, this is a great opportunity to get to know some of the wonderful women, some of whom will be lighting today's advent candle. And it'll be great fun. Um, also, please bring, if you so desire, a wrapped pair of warm women's gloves or mittens or a hat that will go to a shelter put on by Homes for the Brave for women veterans and their children in Milford. More exciting Christmas news. The Parsonage Christmas Party is next Sunday, December 18th from 5 to 7 p.m. The Whitmores will surely be in plaid and <laughs> all kinds of fun Christmas fairs. Um, They'll look great. So stop by the Parsonage, 612 Pequot Ave, and make sure that you park in the church parking lot and walk on over. You will be warmed when you arrive. Then finally, um, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services are upon us. I know the sanctuary looks beautiful and we're all ready. So there will be two candlelight worship services on Christmas Eve. The first one is at 5 p.m. and that will be oriented towards families. There will be childcare available. And then at 10 p.m. there will be a carol and scripture service uh, with special music. And then on Christmas Day, because it happens to fall on a Sunday, Paul and Laura Whitmore and their entire family will lead a 10 a.m. service on the ABCs of Christmas. So there's much to look forward to in this Christmas season. And there's much to look forward to still as I invite Paul Ducey, chair of the stewardship committee up, to give a little presentation. Good morning. Starting to feel like it could snow. <laughs> Probably not. So I, I prefer to start a talk with a little humor, but you know, tough to come up with a stewardship joke. <laughs> but a farmer lived alone in the Irish countryside except for a pet dog he loved dearly. One day the dog died 
and the farmer went to the parish priest inquiring if a mass could be held for the dead pet. Father Patrick told the farmer, no, we can't hold the services for an animal in the church, but I'll tell you what, there's a new denomination down the road and no telling what they believe in, but maybe they'll do something for the animal. The farmer said, thanks, I'll go right away. By the way, do you think 50,000 is enough to donate for such a service? <laughs> to which Father Patrick replied, why didn't you tell me the dog was Catholic? <laughs> oh, now we can proceed. What does stewardship mean and what does it pay for? Stewardship means we are all stewards of the Southport Congregational Church. In short, our church is in our care. Stewardship pay, funds pay for the day-to-day -day and month-to-month -month upkeep of the church, our programs, our mission, our personnel. How does a capital campaign differ from the stewardship drive? The church is required to use the funds raised for capital projects to support only those projects as approved by the congregation as a whole. Capital campaigns are created to pay for bricks and mortar, literally mortar, I think, for repointing. The stewardship drive, on the other hand, is conducted each year to allow the church to fulfill its mission for the coming year. The current stewardship drive needs to raise $750,000. What percent of the church's annual operating expense is covered by stewardship pledges as opposed to other sources of income? The preliminary operating budget for 2023 is targeted to be funded with almost 60% coming from stewardship pledges. Approximately 13% of the budget would come from an annual draw on the endowment, plus another 6% each from the carousel, rooms with a view, and the preschool program. The stewardship committee is focused on educating the congregation about the financial support needed for all of the ministry, staff, worship, music, education, missions, fellowship, maintenance, and operations. I tried to list much of what we are thankful for in my initial stewardship campaign letter. The stewardship brochure that was mailed to you, very beautiful, very colorful, highlights our church, our staff, our programs, our missions, and a special thank you to Cindy Jackson and Pam Poling for the wonderful design work and photographs. Paul's letter with the brochure reemphasizes all that we are, all that we do for one another. Importantly, his letter highlights that high inflation and the difficult economy lead us to provide extra help for those who are in the greatest need. We approved a budget that raises our missions by 31%. We want to extend our generous love and support. The insert in the brochure highlights details about the mission budget. It also provides a summary of our overall proposed budget, the sources of income, and the needs they support. And we separately list a range of stewardship pledges that our families provided for 2022. Is there a suggested amount that we would like each family to give? The range of pledges is an informational guide, but there is no formula for how much of a financial commitment you should make. We all rely on one another. 
Some people have the financial capacity to contribute more, and they do. Some people can contribute more of their time, and they do. We count on everyone to faithfully consider what they can contribute. But for everyone here, what we get back is far greater than whatever we give. I'm happy to come up and talk. I love being part of the congregation. We have a great church. We support one another. And we also help many people who we do not know who really need our support. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, because you reminded me that I do have one more announcement. I will do services for any animal, for absolute free. Any animal. <laughs> I've said it, it's live streamed. Um, and now I would like to invite two lovely longtime friends and church members, Ann Shaw and Adele Keating, to be our Advent liturgists and light the candle of love. Today is the third week of Advent, a time that we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We are here because we seek the love that God's presence brings to our lives. God brought the message of hope and peace into the world through Jesus. We hope that our world can soon be at peace and that love will conquer all the differences that cause us to fight with one another. And so on the third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate all the ways that God calls us to be people of love, to a people who knows that God is present in our lives. No other word so adequately captures the spirit and goal of our faith. No other word so completely describes what we know of our God. We pray for hearts large enough to embrace those the world views as outcasts, hearts large enough that enable us to put down our fear of those who are different from ourselves, and hearts large enough for us to love those whose glories we fail to see. For God so loved the world that a child was given, a savior was made in the form of love incarnate. Let us give thanks for God's pervasive and enduring love once more this Christmas season. Let us join together in the responsive litany found in our bulletins. The season of Advent continues. For the last two Sundays, the frail light of hope and peace dared to pierce through the darkness of despair and violence and bring hope and peace into the world. We live our lives more adamantly. We live with Today, we light the candle of love as a reminder that love is the best gift we can give to each other. This light, too, must shine through great darkness. 
In the Gospel of John, it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish the way, but may have eternal life. Help us keep your love in our hearts as we move towards the day of Jesus' birth, so that we can bring love to everyone we meet along this journey of life. It is with hope in our hearts that we light this third candle of Advent and the candle of love. our hymn, our children can head to the chapel for pageant rehearsal and then with Sydney King to uh, for church school.
as we take this time to transition into a um, more meditative and prayerful state after singing one of my favorite hymns ever, great music from our, um, from our guest musicians, thank you so much. There, um, there are prayers that I would ask for you to join in for our church family. Um, first, uh, it, we have been praying for Janet Reed the last um, couple of weeks. She had, had to have two corneal transplants. Um, I see her wearing her very sexy glasses there in the back. And uh, it, is, it is wonderful to see you and to see you on the road to healing. So welcome back. Um, also, we continue to pray for Robin Hogan, who was in a serious bike accident. He uh, continues to recover at home, but it will be a very long recovery, so we send all our love and prayers for healing to him and his wife, Jan. We have a number of people who are recovering from surgery. Um, those who are undergoing treatment for cancer, we ask you to keep them in your hearts and minds as well. Those who are quarantined at home with COVID, it is still up and around and active. So um, we hope that you're joining us here on live stream and we wish you a speedy recovery as well. Also prayers for Brooklyn Recito. Brooklyn um, is a little baby that we announced was born four weeks ago. Um, she has been in the ICU with RSV. Um, she is a strong little thing, um, but prayers for her recovery are welcome um, and appreciated. And then also we just add prayers of safe travels for all, all our families uh, this Christmas season. So with those prayers and then the prayers that are within your own hearts, let's take this time to lift them all to God. Let us pray. God of love, we are so thankful to be here in this sacred space to share your hope and peace and love with one another. In our lives, we can feel like we are on a roller coaster. Life is joyful and we're riding high. And then the dip comes and takes the wind right out of us. And we're left gasping for air. But not for long. Because God, you are our breath, our inspiration. You fill us with your spirit, and you continue to move us forward with your love and support guiding us. So we take this moment to thank you and ask you to continue to fill us with your spirit as we move into the days and weeks ahead, as we look with hope to making this world a more peaceful, a more loving, a more joyful, place for all. We look to the world with peace in the hopes that we can stop war and terrorism and create justice for all. We look to make this world more loving, to stop hatred and fear and bring about acceptance and tolerance. As in the words of Isaiah when he spoke, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness God shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. In our own lives, God, 
Help us to stop during this time of Advent, this time in which we need to prepare ourselves once again to welcome Jesus into our lives. And all that means to help us reprioritize ourselves as we look at the words we speak to our children, our spouses, our partners, our families, our friends. And we ask you to help us to make them words of love and not words that bring shame or fear. And let us look at the things that we do to our children, our spouses, our partners, our families and friends and help them to be acts of gentleness and kindness, having at the core our love for them. And let us look at the thoughts we have for our children, our spouses, our partners, our families and friends and help them to be thoughts that promote peace and not judgment and not intolerance. Thoughts of where the wolf lies down with the lamb and peace is brought over the land. These are not new things to us, God. These are things that you ask of us every minute of our lives. And sometimes they are heavy and difficult tasks that you call us to, God. So we ask you to pour your loving strength into us this day so that our lives may be a beautiful reflection of your graciousness, your grace, your never-ending love for us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a old hymn. In our uh, staff meetings, it is known as the hymn with the absolute worst title, but the most beautiful hymn, In the Bleak Midwinter. But the author writes these words, what can I offer, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise one, I would do my part. What can I offer? What I have is my heart. So may our offering gifts reflect the love that we want to share with others this Christmas season as we open our hearts to the service and care of others. In that spirit, our morning's offering will be received and shared with others.
Let's join together in our unison prayer of dedication. God of greatest love, in the child of Bethlehem, you give us the gift of your own self. What we have to give, we give with grateful hearts. May our offerings help create love on earth as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is the first time that I get to say good morning. So good morning. Um, we have our scripture passage in, uh, in your bulletins, and um, we are going to read this together. Um, this is part of the Christmas story, and just to uh, not let you, not have to have you struggle at one point, there is the, the governor of Syria, and how you pronounce his name um, is Quirinius. So it's kind of like why, except it's Quirinius, um, the governor of Syria, right? Because we don't want to get to that part and everybody goes, and of Syria. <laughs> so here we go. We shall be prepared. So let's join together. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to their own towns to be enrolled. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he went to be registered with Mary to whom he was betrothed and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. May God open our ears and eyes and our hearts to the fullness of this living and abundant word. Amen. I was reading this passage the other day, and um, as I was, I got a flashback. Not that kind. I got a flashback about uh, our honeymoon, Laura's and our, my honeymoon, back in 1988. <laughs> 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 Buckle up. This story is this. <laughs> We, uh, we took our honeymoon in old Quebec City for a lot of reasons. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, we hadn't ever been there. We actually hadn't ever been out of the country, either one of us at that point. Um, so it was an adventure. And we also chose it because we could drive. And that was really appealing because we were poor. <laughs> and by poor, I mean technically bankrupt um, with the student debt from seminary. 
Um, and uh, so we, we drove, and it was, it, was, it was so much fun. And after this beautiful drive, and we got there, and oh, we toured the beautiful city of, you know, historic city, three wonderful days. And on the fourth day, we had a little bit of an awkward moment with each other, because I knew what I was thinking, she knew what she was thinking, but you don't want to say anything like this necessarily on your honeymoon. And at one point, it kind of emerged from both of us where we felt like we had kind of seen and done everything there for the time, but we had one more day. So we said, do you want to get out of here? <laughs> do you want to leave a day early? And we both looked at each other it's like, oh my god, yes, yeah, let's just take off. And it was also appealing because then we could save one more night in the honeymoon suite and get some of the money back. It was $220 a night, I remember, right? Oof. And uh, so we said, yeah, let's, let's do it. So we got a, little, got a little money back. And our next step was to go and visit our friend um, who lived on, had a summer place in, on Matinicus Island off the coast of Maine. So yes, part of our honeymoon was also visiting our friends. So uh, we said, let's go, and off we, off we went on this adventure. We checked out, and we drove, and we drove, and we got to Rockland, Maine, um, which is where the, uh, the ferry was gonna take off the next morning at seven o'clock. We got there, got to Rockland, Maine, and at four o'clock in the afternoon which was great because that would give us plenty of time. We could find a nice place to stay. We could, you know, and then go out for a nice dinner, a little romantic dinner, and have a little sleep and get up and off on the ferry the next morning. So we're thinking, you know, let's, let's find a nice little, maybe a quaint little seaside inn, something like that. So it was fun. We're driving around. We're looking for, you know, for just the right one, and we're going past one and going past the next one. It's like, no, you know, let's, you know, let's get something a little bit nicer. And we, we kept going and finally we found it. So we park, we go in to register and the person at the front desk says, I'm sorry, no room, <laughs> we're full. And we said, okay, that's fine. There are plenty of places in, in Rockland, Maine. So we drove around to find another. And we parked, and it's like, this is, this is actually better than the first one. So we got out of the car, and we go up to the register, and we did it, and like, I'm sorry, no room. We're like, are you kidding? What are the chances? What are the chances? That's okay. So we go off to the, to the third one, to the next one. Nope, nothing. And we started thinking, you know, this is, this is a little weird. I don't know. We, we, we literally went to every place in Rockland, Maine, and there was nothing. So next we went to the next town over, Camden, Maine. And same story. A whole lot of nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Everybody was filled. They're like, this is so weird in Rockland or Camden. So we went to the next town. Now, it was four in the afternoon when we arrived. Now it's eight or nine at night, because we've been driving around, driving around. The romantic dinner at the restaurant turned into a bag of Cheetos from a gas station. 
<laughs> and the, the quality that we were looking for just severely downgraded, you know, and we actually, we actually circled back to a place that had broken bottles outside of it, um, and we're like, I, you know, check it out, nothing, no rooms, next town, next town. We're, we're seven hours into it now, seven hours, just, just driving around one place to the next, to the next, to the next. Remember, it's 1988. Um, no cell phones, no Google, no GPS, no, no hotel tonight. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it hits us. At, at about 11 o'clock at night, we're like, oh, oh. We're on the coast of Maine. We're on vacation land. It's the middle of August, and it's a Saturday night. No reservations. We were young. We didn't know it was that popular. We had gone to Maine tons because Laura's family is from outside of Portland, but they always had an opening. We would just stay at the parents' house. So we kept driving, midnight, 1 a.m., now it's nine hours, 1.30 in the morning. 1.30 in the morning from a payphone that we found on the side of the highway. We call the Holiday Inn in Augusta, 45 minutes inland. And they say, we have one room left. One room. We'll hold it for an hour. So we drive into Augusta. We're dazed. On the way, we say to each other, you know, we could have driven back home to Connecticut, slept, literally slept in Connecticut, woken up the next morning, driven all the way back, and still have saved time. We got there at 2.30 in the morning. Ferry the next morning leaves at 7 a.m. It's an hour away. We get to bed about 3. We get up at 6. Same clothes as the night before. And we're off to the ferry. Drive like mad to get to the ferry, and we get there just in time. Just in time. Just in time to see the ferry pulling out. <laughs> and it's a Sunday, and that's the only one for the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> memories. Uh, so when I read this Bethlehem scene, and I think about the chaos that was going on there, no room. I do think sometimes about our honeymoon. And I think about Bethlehem. Now, for Bethlehem, the thing that caused the chaos there was the overflow that was created because Caesar ordered a census to be taken for tax purposes. And the scriptures say that the whole world would be enrolled or registered. The whole world. The whole world uh, meant everyone from the region of Judea. It was also, it said, the first enrollment. So people didn't know what to expect. They never did that before. Now, interestingly, you know what the final count of that census was? because there are records. The final count of that census, 4,233,000 citizens. 
And I'm thinking, I, I, I looked this up like five different times from several sources. It's like, that seems to be way too many people, doesn't it, for back then? Yeah, I mean, it just, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous amount of people. But that's it. So I'm thinking what this means is that there's a tremendous amount of upheaval because of that, right? Having every male return with his family to a place of birth. So literally, it's, I mean, you know it's not every person who has to be on the move, but it could have been a million people of that four million who were on the move and all at once, they had to shut down businesses, they had to figure out provisions, they had to, the, to get the means to travel, they had to find shelter both along the way and then also when they got there and remembering for as obvious as it sounds is you can't call ahead for a reservation back then. Nobody could. So what this means is this was a crazy time that is happening. So much turmoil, chaos. And then I was thinking, so apparently, I guess this is the way that it's always been with Christmas, even at the very first one. Right from the start, right from the start, too much stuff going on, overload. You think life is supposed to be calmer? I do a lot, at least in better order, and then life gives you otherwise. Good news, it's not just you. Then I think about the innkeepers. Now, that would have been a crazy heyday time for innkeepers, right? It's like striking gold. You could, you could charge any price you want, supply and demand, whatever traffic would bear. And you know, Airbnbs are as old as time. All you needed was space. All you needed was space. So, even with that, though, at a certain point, if everybody's in it, offering their, their homes some space in it, at a certain point, you get to the point, after you pack everyone in that you possibly can, you're either raking in money or you're just providing hospitality, at a certain point, full is full, right? And all the... Uh, probably non-pregnant people that it takes a while to travel. They're already there. So then, after full is full, you hear that. One more knock at the door. And at a certain point, you just have to say, I'm so sorry, <laughs> we just don't have any more space. And off they go. And then, and then again, you say, I apologize, I, I wish I could do something, I just, I'm, I'm full. There's nothing I can offer. And then again. And then, you know, it's just human nature at a certain point where it just kind of becomes a little less kind with each successive knock and request. And so maybe now it turns to, hey, could you, could you just read the note on the door? Just check it out. Nothing I can do, okay? It's automatic. It's just what people do. 
And this is what happens with our life. When life gets to be too much. When our lives are too full. But life just keeps knocking at our door. Overload. We shut down. Close the door. Go on automatic pilot. Maybe we have just had one too many pieces of bad news around us. Yanked around by the economy. Yanked around with your health. One too many doctor's visits. At, the, at first, you know, your heart remains open to it. And then after a while, it begins to shut down because there's no more room. Maybe there's too much sadness. Shut down. Sometimes maybe we feel too much need around us. We get overwhelmed. You know, and it's the reason why people in prison, why people who are in gangs, people who are in deep inner city poverty, act the way they do. Many times just regular people, the way we act sometimes when we get overwhelmed. Think about the 10th anniversary of Sandy Hook is coming this Wednesday on the 14th. Mm. Just hearing that, it's almost too much. And suddenly we find that we have become innkeepers and gatekeepers to life out there, to life trying to get in. So who do we let in? How much do we let in? How much, how much compassion? How much patience? How much forgiveness? How much openness to other human beings? How much, how much listening? Spontaneity? Intimacy? Friendships? Personal time? I don't have time for that. I need to stay in the path. Playtime with our children. Time to listen to our children and really listen. Time to listen with care and not trying to rush it along with our spouse. We may at times even shut down the door to our soul. When we think about it, when we shut out any of these things, we're shutting out the very best parts of life, the things that make life most worth living. I wish I could have done more of those things, but you know, at the time I thought, 
I didn't have any room. Too full. So in thinking about the first Christmas, thinking about the first Christmas, I bet most of us would say, let's do a little test. I would open the door to Christ. How many of you would have opened the door to, to Joseph and Mary if they came knocking at the door, right? Yeah, of course. My God, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. But how would you know? How would you know? They don't have a sign hanging around their necks. They're just two ordinary people, Joseph and Mary, knocking at the door to your life. And those innkeepers were in the exact same position that we find ourselves in of how do you know? And how do you decide who and what to open the door for? Now, they didn't know, so inadvertently they ended up shutting out Christ, one after the other. But the great news is for us that we have some clues, don't we? We know that he's our neighbor. We know that he's the stranger. We know that he is the outcast. We know that he is the refugee. He became a refugee. Had to flee to Egypt. He's the one who doesn't fit in. That's the knock on the door. He's the one who's not popular. He's the one who's struggling. My spirit is among you, Christ said. My spirit is within you. God bless you. Mm -hmm. So within us, we don't even shut the door to our own soul. For hope, forgiveness, a kind heart, sacred time, giving, generosity, things of God. So when I think about the innkeeper, I wonder, what am I opening the door for? And what am I closing the door to? And am I even going to be able to tell if God comes knocking in disguise? Last story. I, um, I'm thinking about this the other day. And I think, okay. All right, God. Let's, let's try this out. Let's play a game. And I said, God, I'm going to be the innkeeper today. And with everyone I meet, with every new knock that happens, I'm going to ask myself, is this you knocking? And not in an obvious way, 
maybe it's you, and let's find out. So I, uh, I said a prayer. I said, God, let me have an adventure. You knock, and I'll open the door and let you in. And let's see where we go. And you know what happened? It was amazing. You know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing really extraordinary happened. And I was surprised. And at the end of the day, I went back and I reviewed the day, and I wondered, what did I miss? Right? So I went back. It's like, okay, so this morning I did some writing, I did some emails, I did some calls, I had a meeting, I had more calls. Parishioner came in to talk, family member asked for help, and then it hit me. Oh my God. Every one of these very ordinary events was another knock on the door from you. It was you. Every meeting, every phone call, every email, every annoying little problem that I was called on to fix was another opportunity to meet someone bearing Christ. I was seeking God in a sign, in the extraordinary, but finding God in the ordinary. And I almost missed it. The song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, it says, no ear may hear his coming, but in the world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. You know how we do a little prayer with the kids during children's sermons? Let's close with a little prayer like that. And you can either repeat after me out loud or just in your hearts. Okay. Dear God, may your spirit, may your presence, the presence of Christ, enter my heart. May I look for you in the ordinary, and may I open the door, and dear Christ, may you enter in. Merry Christmas. Amen.
even though we have two weeks from the day until it's Christmas, I feel like it always goes so fast. So may we take the time to just drink it in and let it seep really, really deeply in our souls so we can access this time all throughout the year, all throughout our lives. And as we go from this place, may the spirit of tremendous love and peace and hope God gives to each one of you, <coughs> may we embrace that, embody that, and let that light and love shine. now and forevermore. In the name and the spirit and the presence of the living Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.